everyone. Thanks for tuning in to Power Athlete Radio featuring The Crew, where a former pro football player, a D3 all-star, and a guy who peaked in high school use strength and conditioning as an excuse to talk about everything but. Now here's John, Luke, and Tex. Drive on. Kick the wheels right before the hammer strikes to make sure the levels fall from low. I got them girls shining oh so bright. Power Athlete Nation and John and Tex and our friend Matt, Dr. Matt Zanis. Do, are, do you prefer Dr. Matt Zanis? I mean, what's our... Or just Doc which, Z? Uh, yeah, what do they call doc, you on the doc, news? Doc Z there? will work. Doc yeah, Z. Dr. Zanis. Page and Dr. Zanis. Dr. Zanis, Dr. Zanis. It's the Simpsons. <laughs> Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. Anyway, Doc Z. Amadeus? Amadeus, Amadeus. It's a Simpsons <laughs> that's, episode. That's, no, that's a song from the 80s. Oh, I get it. And then the Simpsons did it. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for another crew podcast. Planet of the Apes, the musical. Mm-hmm. <laughs> crew episode of uh, Power Athlete Radio, the uh, premier podcast in, in strength and, you can say, it. condition. Ing. Ing. Zero. Ing. Ing. That's right. Doc Z, Xanis gets us. Ladies and gentlemen, we're talking. We're talking some stuff today. We, we the helpline has been dialed. Helpline? I thought it was the hotline. The it's hot. hot. It's too hot. People need help though. Our friend Richard needs help. That's right. Richard called. Richard. What's happening? You mean Big Dick? <laughs> eh, that's, a, that's what he nicknamed in college. Um, I mean, at this point, like if you had a son, would you name him Richard? Absolutely. Yeah. Richard, Richard Summers. <laughs> like, dick, Dick. How many dicks is that? A lot. <laughs> dick Summers is Dick Summers oh. is a perfect name for, uh, for a young strapping lad. Mm-hmm. Well, it, like you have a challenge there. Like if your first and middle name are both Richard, do you go with Dick Richard or Rich Dick? Well, I played with John Richie, and I used to just call him John Dick. Mm, there you go. Or John Dicky, I think is what I used to. Yeah, call that's him. what. That's funny. We text and I call you that all the time when you're not around. <laughs> uh, I thought it, but but there's usually a fucking asshole Dick. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. No. No. We don't. We're not that. Um, what's the? We're not that profane with our language. It's only the guy at the head table. I haven't sworn on the podcast in a hundred episodes. <laughs> Is that not? We had a fact check on that. Yeah. No. Yeah. No, uh, Z, that's ridiculous. Uh, the fact checker on a, on on Power Athlete Radio, which is Callie, is more akin to Twitter and Facebook, no. where she's only trying to protect Luke Summers. That's fine. You know, I think the real fact checker. Who's like? Who do you think our number one listener is? Um, Tim Wacker or. Uh, the guy that hit me on Instagram because he thought that I was putting a D in ruminants. Mm. You've been known to, to rudim- well, do say rudiments. Ru- it, well, it's just my uh, California Canadian accent that yes. sometimes slips a D in there for an M. <laughs> well, but but slip now, in the D, but John always <laughs> slip in the D. But now I have to say rune, room ruminants. That's not it. Ruminants. It's like, and he actually hit me on on direct messenger and was like, Steve Madden. I've listened to the podcast maybe a dozen times, and I think I'm catching hints of a D when you're using the word runiments. Laying it on very thick. There was there was a good month or so where you were 
in back in March, we were referring it to as the Clovid. Yeah, the Clovid. <laughs> and just like, and, and Luke was so mad about it yeah. that uh, at first I fucked it up, and then you got mad. So then I just kept doing it. It's a great. I mean, it's a great bit we got going, John. <laughs> Find out what's really bothering me and twist the blade. And, and then uh, Luke's like, "It's COVID." I'm like, "Yeah, COVID. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. COVID. Yeah, Napierville. Yeah, Napierville." Um, <laughs> I mean, uh, it's it's uh, yeah. No, I mean, I um, yeah. I, I just think it's a, that blending of the Californian Canadian accent. Because mm-hmm. when I was in second grade, they put me in um, a speech class because I couldn't pronounce my S's and R's. No way. And then the lady, uh, it was funny, my mom came in and the lady was talking to my mom and she's like, are you Canadian? My mom's like, yeah. She's like, get out. Just take, just take the kid. Get out of here. Like, <laughs> like they basically had assessed something yeah. that was more like a hint of an accent than it oh. was anything. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's true. We have a hotline or a helpline. It depends on what you're looking for. That number Hospice is line? nine. No, I mean, that's that's really the hour people Big listen for to this. Mutant, yeah. Yeah, listen to this podcast <laughs> called The Hospice Hour. The uh, But that number is 929-464-464-929. Ing, ing. Zero. That's right. Call, uh, call us up. Leave a message. Be detailed. Be brief. Be bold. Be gone. It's just how it goes. Um, I think today's length is a pretty pretty decent length for a voicemail. 52 seconds. Mm, yeah. What do you think? Should we uh, listen? I'm in. Let's do it. All right, Z, you ready? Yeah. All right. Ready, ready. Power Athlete Crew, Richard here. Long-time listener, first-time caller. Coming at you with a recovery question. Uh, to give you a little bit of context, I've been following Jack Street for several years now. I have been doing Iron Flex for about a year. I train first thing in the morning, and I use Iron Flex as my warm-up. The last couple of cycles, I have been having some pretty bad muscle cramps in the trained muscles. I train first thing in the morning, and that has been happening later on in the day. Uh, There have not been any significant changes in that time to nutrition, hydration, or sleep. And so my question is two-part. One, what might be causing this? And two, what can I do to prevent it? Thanks so much, guys. Look forward to hearing from you. Bye. Bye, Richard. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for trusting us to answer this question for you. Hmm. Uh, my advice would be to take up knitting. Yeah. Just quit it. Quit quit exercising if it's gets if you cramp. It's overrated think? anyway, right? Uh, yeah. no. No? I'm gonna I'm gonna veto that one. All right, so well, let, let's let's uh pickleball? You know, <laughs> professional pickleball player? I'm in on that. Okay. Maybe uh Maybe go to like one of those places where you pay them to stretch you mm. so that you don't really have to work and then they just stretch you. Yeah. I'm in on that too. That sounds like a good workout. What do you say? More range of motion. I That's disagree. That yeah. goes against the, the purpose and why we created and distribute the IronFlex program. Well, let's talk. Let's dive into that first. Number one, Jack Street. For folks who don't know what Jack Street is, it's pretty high volume, pretty intense program. It's going to demand about 70, 90 minutes, four or five days a week with a couple like less demanding days. So up to six training days a week, right? The goal is hypertrophy, big compound lifts, lots of accessory work. And uh, we really recommend that if the guys have time and especially like older dudes on uh, uh, Jack Street, on the street, on the street, older residents, we, you know, warming up and cooling down is paramount. So we really advocate iron flex which is our movement therapy program. It can be, it can be um, I guess, it, it's, a, it's a great warm-up tool. So it's a great warm-up tool. Yeah. It's a great cool-down tool. It's a great active recovery tool. 
Um, and when you stack those two things up, you tend to be put in a pretty good place, assuming you got sleep, nutrition, and hydration all dialed in, which it sounds like Richard does. So, well, I always think that there's uh, there's always been a hidden component, I think, with hypertrophy work. And uh, like I remember years ago uh, reading um, on some weird forum, I think that Nate might have sent me that talked about like uh, like heavy dynamic, not dynamic, but like heavy end range stretching mm -hmm. uh, as a driver for hypertrophy. And these guys are doing like a bunch of like gnarly stretching in between, um, you know, heavy sets. But I think that there is something with hypertrophy and laying down new muscle that involves uh, stretching and making sure that you're, you know, continue to be iron flexy. So I think it pairs really, really well with that. Um, you know, Z, I'm sure is going to jump in and, you know, sometimes say, hey, uh, when people are stretching things, it's, you know, they're tight for a reason. But the big thing that power athlete really stresses is that, um, you know, the single best way to stretch is with heavy weight on your back or on your hands or whatever it is, and then working within those full ranges of motion under load, just going in, you know, and, uh, you know, getting stretchy. But uh, Iron Flex is more movement prep and really moves through a lot of different movements. And that's that's how it's laid out. So throughout the week, it, it is an opportunity for six days a week of movement. And each cycle, which is four weeks, we select a barbell lift. Mm -hmm. So we use this as movement therapy, but the aim, as John spoke to, is to get it back to the barbell or find something, it's a movement discovery, finding something that's catching, bothering you within different warm-up movements, as we would describe them, but are hitting all planes of motion each day, hitting our seven primal movements each day in different orientations, variations, and combinations, but all leads up to a Saturday barbell lift, so then we connect Iron Flex to a barbell lift to help you really feel out and improve over a four-week cycle a specific lift which then would carry over to said yeah. program jack street field strong and bedrock for our younger athletes i love it for a coordination tool and just do your best to move and then the movements will help movement order will help shape your coordination and for older dudes people women on our program more of a active range of motion and connective tissue health Example I'm going to throw out there, very common, is our side pillar to plank press-up. Imagine we're just in a pillar position, elbows and toes, palms flat into the ground, and then I extend one elbow up, and then the opposite, and then return back to a normal pillar position. We've seen people where this is a challenge. We've also seen people where it's easy breezy. They just knock out both elbows at the same time and fly through it like it's those military push-ups for time. That's not the right way to approach it. If you have that ability to execute this pillar to plank press up, show us controlled. It could be a one, two, three, four count through there. And we're focusing on that connective tissue help versus just a strengthening tool or a conditioning tool as others would view it mm -hmm. of just doing it as quickly as they can because they can not nah, try to think different muscle contractions to take care of everything else around the muscle for when you need it. But that's Iron Flex. So, Z, what could be going on here, buddy? Oh, geez. Anytime I hear cramping, it's usually one of two sources that are typically involved. And everybody's really familiar with that, like, hydration electrolyte imbalance one. And we could dive deeper into that, too. But there's even a more interesting one that we have a lot more literature on, and that's the neuromuscular component. So it's actually what's happening on, going on inside the physiology of the muscle. So 
typically if we take our, our joints and our muscles through a range of motion, like during an iron, iron flex workout or something like that, and we go into this range and our brain feels like we can't control it there, or we're so fatigued that we can't control it there, the brain will shut it off. And that's usually what we feel as a cramp there at that particular end range for that movement or for that pattern. Okay. So like, it, would that be the, the, let's say you're rotating and you're starting to cramp in your back, right? Like, is, mm. is it going to be the, the, the system that is contracting, um, concentrically or eccentrically, or does it depend? It, it depends a little bit. So usually there's like this misfiring between the excitatory part of the muscle and the inhibitory part of the muscle. So the excitatory part are like the muscle spindles and then the inhibitory part are the GTOs and not the car, but the, the Golgi tendon organs. Um, and if there's a, a misfiring because of fatigue, there's like this cross cross firing occurring. That's when we get the cramping that's going to occur. So they're just not talking to each other the right way. And that could be due to a lot of the nutritional and electrolyte and water imbalances. But then also could be neurologically at that side, uh, that range again, too. So great example here is like if you're doing an L sit. So, you know, picture sitting on the ground or you're hanging from a bar and you lift your legs into the air and you make the hip flexors, flip flexors cramp in that position. It's because they're shortening. And that's usually a GTO problem because the GTOs are located within the neuro or the within the muscular tendinous junction. So as the muscle is going into tendon into the bone, and that would be different than say something like going to a stiff legged RDL. And you're going down into the bottom position of that movement and the hamstrings cramp on you or the low back cramps on you because they're lengthening. And that's usually a muscle spindle issue going on down there. So it just, it dictates like, okay, why is this occurring? Which would then change what kind of intervention you would want to apply to that cramping sensation. So what does it tell you that Richard's banging out these workouts in the morning and then later in the day, these cramps are, are hitting them? And I'm, you know, I'm curious if it's like while he's moving, going to pick something up or if he's right. while he's sitting there, is it while he's walking? But like, what, what yeah. could that maybe tell you? Well, I mean, what's There's a, a lot of, what's a low hanging fruit Z? I mean, uh, like it's probably, uh, whenever I, like when I was listening to it in the second part where he said there was no change in hydration, whatever, the only thing I could think of is, uh, what's the weather look like? I know for me, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I have a pretty standard amount that I try to drink each day of water, but like when all of a sudden it's a hundred degrees or, you know, 80% humidity and I stick to that schedule, I get super dehydrated. Um, which I feel like might be a key factor, um, you know, salt, electrolytes, all that. But I mean, would that be the low hanging fruit? Whereas the, uh, the lack of connection between the neuromuscular system being more that kind of higher level? Well, yes. So I think that the, the lowest hanging fruit is more that nutritional understanding, hydration status, understanding your environment and your stress levels can also change the amount of electrolytes that you're depleting throughout the day. But then it sounds like from that question there tailing in towards the end of where he's getting the cramps later on in the day, that would tell me it's more of a fatigue problem, right? So if he's doing Jack street, he's taking those muscle groups to volitional fatigue most of the time. So if he's doing that, it means that he's not recovering as well throughout the day. And that's where we have to start asking these deeper questions because at that point he's, he's, you know, bending over to pick up the newspaper or something like that. And he cramps that's because the muscles, they, they simply just can't hold that range anymore. They're so fatigued out that they're just quitting on them. Mm-hmm. And then is that, is that neurological or structural? Well, it's all neurological, right? Yeah, <laughs> I guess. because The nervous system controls. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't say, I wouldn't necessarily say it's structural at all. Um, well, so what, if there was, that, what if there was a, um, 
like a, like an instability, like there was a torn ligament or a torn or a torn tendon, where he couldn't stabilize because the you know the scaffolding that was there to stabilize that joint was damaged. So then the muscles are having to have more of a, a you know greater input and stabilization. Would that result in a, in a cramping? Yeah, especially if they have to, to work so hard to stabilize a joint. But like, let's look at this from a muscular contraction standpoint, like concentric, eccentric, and isometric. So if in Jack Street, he's going from a shortened range into a like, a like a concentric movement, he's not taking the muscle through its fullest length. So that if he does take the muscle through its fullest length in daily patterns or whatever he's doing, that muscle is not prepared at that end range. And that's where we're going to get the activation of the stretch receptors and the muscle spindles. And it's going to set off that cramping sensation. So it could, it could be during training where he just simply needs to take his joints through fuller ranges of motion mm-hmm. and learn how to control and stabilize them there. Because then if he's going into those range of motion throughout the day and the stabilizers are too fatigued or they're not prepared to handle that task, cramping is going to ensue. Yeah, Richard, we're going to need some, some video of your movements, mm-hmm. whether that's the back squat, the bench press, dumbbell. I think would be a good representation well, if he's half repping. Uh, um, the, the other part that's missing from this is he said um, cramping in the trained muscle. So I was curious to know if it was like the trained muscle on Jack Street or the trained muscle within Iron Flex. And is it just, is it limited, is it uh, systemic so it's through the whole body or is it just, you know, localized like, I mean, he didn't say cramping in my feet, cramping in my hamstrings, like he just said cramping. So I'm mm-hmm. assuming it's like... Uh, and, and this is um, just off a personal thing. Like the only place I've ever experienced cramping uh, is either in my calves or um, I get them in, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, ovaries? Adductor. Yeah. <laughs> o- ovary uterus? cramps. Yeah. But it's only when I ovulate. Uh, uh, in like my adductors. So I'll get cramping in my adductor and my calf. And that's the only place. I've never had a hamstring cramp. I've never had a cramp mm-hmm. in my back or my arms. or my, You know, I mean, I've obviously had not in my neck. Um, but like I find that for me, and it's usually due to something with dehydration, lack of salt. Like if I go over and I take Rob's, you know, element, uh, element and I pound one of those, it usually goes away pretty quick, but it's usually camp cramping within my calf and my adductor. So I'm wondering so, if like why he has systemic cramping. Yeah. Well, all these sensations, including the cramping is just information. It's just telling us a story about our body where essentially our weaknesses are. So when I'm assessing people and I'm looking to find out where their limitations are, what they're missing in their movement literacy, I'm putting them into positions to make them fail. And I want them to be able to feel those sensations of potentially cramping because that tells me information of things that we need to work on. So like for you with your adductor, I would say we would need to then focus on getting some stimulation there to actually strengthen that guy up into certain ranges and then see where that leads into like, does the cramping go away? Do you even experience it anymore? And calves are like a really, really common one because they're such a, an endurance muscle Like you're on them all day long. And especially if you're an athlete, you're putting a lot of concentric force through them with sprinting and running and change of direction and power production, like activities, even on the field and on the court and jumping and landing that if we're not taking them into a big stretch pattern and allowing those different ends of the muscles and the tendons to start working in an eccentric way. That's why those guys are going to cramp. So I would say that you're like overutilizing that pattern over and over and over again. So teaching it to go into fuller ranges could alleviate that as well. Okay. So what do you think, what do you think the advice is here for Richard or anyone else who's kind of getting these cramps? Um, is there, I, you know, like could, could he try like, you know, uh, Maybe it's the four, eight, seven breathing, like a, like a nervous system type of reset, maybe meditation later in the day. Like, could it be something like that? 
or is this something that you think is more physiological? So likely more physiological. The breathing thing is a great strategy, though, for that loop to calm down the nervous system a little bit. But um, from a, for a quick Band-Aid temporary fix, you could put deep pressure onto the muscle. So something like a, a foam roller, throwing a heavy del- uh, dumbbell or kettlebell onto that will stimulate those Golgi tendon organs and, and calm things down temporarily. But then we still have to look at the, the root cause of it. And what I typically see with people is that it is more of a nutrient problem. I think it all underlies that, that as the common denominator because you need the building blocks within the system. So the electrolytes of the different magnesium calcium, potassium, sodium, all these different components to actually have the components to catalyze a neuromuscular contraction. Mm-hmm. Like you need those there ready to go. And if you don't, that's when things are going to start to go haywire and you get redistribution of fluid in the body. And that's where you see you know puffiness and cramping and all that start to occur. So even if you're, even if he's Richard is eating a healthy diet, like colors at a rainbow, green leafy vegetables that are growing above the ground, eating a lot of red meat uh, for the B vitamins, it begs the question, like, is he actually absorbing mm-hmm. those nutrients? Yeah, that low right? gut infl- like low level gut inflammation yeah. could be a key factor, you know, binding up receptor sites and preventing absorption. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I would like to look there because like, even myself, I know that if, if I eat any type of bell pepper or chai, Thai chili peppers, like it's Hershey squirt season, like it's coming out and that's going to deplete a lot of the electrolytes, anything that I do take in. Um, so I would want to know, like, how does he feel throughout the day? Like, what does the poop look like? Like, are you watching that? Is he regular with it? Um, is he moving more, sweating more? Like all these things kind of come into play, the environment and as well. Like, are you actually absorbing the nutrients that you're taking in and using them appropriately? Yeah, and if I guess it could be something along the lines of, if not, let's say it just dude's a, a creature habit, a machine, and has been doing mm-hmm. the same thing for the past three years. If there's been this slow cascading effect of a food that you've had built, you've created an intolerance to, like that damage just starts to compound over time to a point where now mm-hmm. all of a sudden what you have been doing for the past three years is no longer working and you're starting to exhibit these types of physiological reactions, right? I'm speaking mm-hmm. from experience. Oh, I was, <laughs> I, I was going to say that's so profound. So it's I almost know, like it's I happened. Know. Man, it is. Uh, well, the other one too is yeah. uh, if he was on a low carb diet, um, we found that people mm-hmm. you know, with low carb diets do shuttle a lot of fluid out. So, I mean, that could be a key factor. Um, but yeah, man, I, I, I think uh, without seeing him or meeting him or getting some video or getting a little deeper, I think we're just, mm-hmm. you know, shots I, in the dark. I have one more but note. Like from t- a, go ahead, Tex. Just for the, going back to the weight room. So uh, diet aside, nutrition aside, the weightlifting what he can do is during his warm-up sets or body weight sets or even the iron flex he establishes his full range of motion yeah so then he uses the weight to challenge the full range of motion an example would be let's say he has an empty barbell back squat he sets up as he would if it was his rep max whatever that may be for the jack street day and he squats through his full range of motion with an empty barbell he then adds weight to challenge that full range of motion, but it should never change the range of motion. Meaning if he gets up to a rep max or a point within the, the training session where his squat depth starts to shorten, but he still is getting the weight, I'm doing air quotes for our listeners, he should- Is that what you were doing with your fingers? Uh, doing air quotes with are, my- Are they above the table? The uh, Anyway, but if the weight, bottom line, if the weight starts to change his range of motion versus challenge his full range of motion, 
then we're getting into what what Xanus was describing, which over time could lead to that once he does do a task that is outside his. Mm-hmm. Is that only? Well, I mean that push back on me, text, but that's only really relevant in the squat, right? Because bench press. No bench press. So an mm-hmm. example would be a barbell. Deadlift. A barbell. We get to our chest, and mm-hmm. we the our body gets in the way of our full range of motion of our pecs. Mm-hmm. Rather with a a dumbbell, and I can bring the dumbbells past like a true push up versus mm-hmm. a push up. The ground gets in the way with the normal push up. With a true push up, I can go a little bit deeper, getting my chest, mm-hmm. you know, closer to my hands. As an example. Okay. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Good I, I love where you're going with that text. I think that's a, a great, great point to make. And then I'm going to add something to that is working isometrics at those end ranges because that will cause a lot more neuromuscular drive into those positions and it will help with the regulation of those electrical impulses with the muscle spindles and with the Golgi tendon organs. Um, the other important point to go ahead. No, I, for our non anatomically 101 inclined <laughs> listeners, can you describe uh, spindles real quick and Golgi tension? And yeah, it's what you bolt the wheel hub onto, yeah. and then you put the tire on. Well, you know the hub after you put on the rotor. Oh, so, I know that. So that's what the you know yeah. spindles. Yeah, that's what the spindles are. Yeah. So the, the muscle spindles are located in the muscle belly. So think of like your biceps in the very center, like in the, within the flesh of the tissue. And those guys are responsive to stress or, or tension load. So as you pull the muscle apart and it gets longer. Those guys are there to regulate the amount of tension going through the muscle belly itself. And if you go into more of a lengthened position that you can control, they will excite them. They'll fire and make the muscle try and flex or bend the elbow. Okay. Uh, the Golgi tendon organs are located more in the musculotendinous junction. So as the, as the muscle is attaching onto the, onto the bone and those guys are stimulated by a lot of the, the deep pressure and they're inhibitory in nature. Right? So if you're like squeezing the biceps, and you're causing too much tension or compression into that area, those guys will stimulate and relax to get you to lengthen out the muscle if you're contracting it too, too hard. But that's the important part about the isometrics. Like if you are contracting your hip flexors or if hip flexors are a common uh, muscle that cramps on you when you go into a squat or whatever, I would do some isometrics with those guys, make them cramp, and then try and work through it. So try to hold those isometrics in there and force the muscle to be okay and the nervous system to be okay within that range of motion. And then the other thing I was going to add on to like your uh, your full range of motion comment text is that like if you think about a back squat, you're actually using your hip flexors to pull you into a good position bottom in the hole. Mm-hmm. That will actually lengthen out the glutes, lengthen out the hamstrings to stimulate them to be in a good position to contract. So what I would do ahead of time is once again, go into some isometric holds, like lifting your knee up to your chest and just holding it there as, as long as you can, I think 10, 15, 20 seconds to get those muscles firing so that when you do go to back squat, they're ready to go. Same thing with the bench press. We would use the antagonist muscles, so the muscles on your back, like you know all the, the rhomboids, lats, uh, traps, and everything. And think about rowing into a position, holding the eyes, squeezing those guys, pulling the shoulder blades back, which is then going to get the lengthening through the chest and stimulate those back muscles to do their job the way they need to when you go into something like a bench press or a push-up. So and that could help we alleviate do, that cramping. The intention with Iron Flex does accomplish these, but I can, certainly, yeah. I can certainly do yeah. an improved job of explaining the execution so we have a better impact mm-hmm. within the program that he mm-hmm. is doing. Anything on breathing during that, Z? Yeah, don't hold your breath. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> with any movement so like if you can regulate your breath 
inhales and exhales. So I typically like doing is inhaling through the eccentric and exhaling through the concentric. Mm-hmm. On the warm-up stuff. Yeah, on the warm-up stuff. And go through like fullest range of motion. So like if you're doing something like a Spider-Man complex and you're rotating horizontally and twisting, like inhale as you start the motion and then exhale as you're reaching through. And you should be blowing out like every last little bit of air as you can as you reach, why reach, is reach that? as far as you can. Why, uh, why is he of greater range of motion when you're ex- uh, like when you, I mean, is it because like maybe you're reducing the volume within the lungs, which allows you to have more uh, flex, like more flexibility in like your thoracic? But well, like that's a, definitely happening. Yeah, for sure. But it's more about the parasympathetic nervous system. Okay. So we know that if, you're, if your exhales are longer than your inhales, it will engage that rest and digest system which will then open up more range of motion because your, your brain feels like you have better control over it versus holding your breath. It's like a, it's a protective mechanism. It's going to tighten everything up to try and prevent you from going into ranges of motion. So I, I did a, I, um, uh, I've been going to that guy to get um, some PNF work done on my shoulder. And mm-hmm. uh, the whole time he's like, man, your breathing is so good. And I'm like, well, so if I stop breathing, it's going to hurt real bad. <laughs> For and you, yeah, but yeah. it's uh, so it's it's fifty minutes of dude. This dude just literally, I, I get in there and I'm like, don't, no foreplay, just spit on it, jam it in there, like let's get rocking. And he like will like you know start overhead, pushes me in, we do like ten contractions, and then he hits me from the side mm-hmm. and all these different ones to the point where like at fifty minutes, I'm like. I'm fucking good. Like Luke's like, how'd it feel? I'm like, it's fucking awful. Eh, painful. Yeah, it's really painful. <laughs> but what's crazy is it's yeah. not painful at the end range. Once he releases and I have to pull my shoulder back like into a normal position, it's actually after he releases and then I come back. That's when the pain like goes through the roof. And mm-hmm. I and what's crazy you- is that the range of, um, uh, it's almost like the range of motions he's, he's getting me into, I like, as he gets more range, I have less strength. Because he's getting me into new ranges that I guess I haven't strengthened, mm-hmm. so he's been, yeah. You yeah. haven't stimulated anything there. Yeah, before. it's um, but yeah. yeah, it's it's fucking awful. So, and that's why you need to use those ranges afterwards too, right? Yeah. So, getting them under some type of load. Yep. Z, I got a question for you. Uh, yeah. In terms of like the acute treatment and applying pressure to the areas that are cramping, is it mm-hmm. is that like a muscle belly thing? Do you go to the the connective mm. tissues? Does it matter? Yeah, that's a great question uh, because this is the big problem we see with people foam rolling all the time is that you're rolling out the, the muscle belly itself, like the, the fleshy part of the, t- of the tissue, and that is actually exciting, getting the, the muscle tighter, making it contract more. Mm-hmm. So you need to be hitting the tendinous junction, so those areas where it's starting to come into bone or muscle starting to turn into tendon going into bone and putting the, uh, and applying the deep pressure there to go after the Golgi tendon organs, which is in our lower thing to relax. That's what Bueller Versus said. You contract. remember, like, yeah. don't ever yeah. roll out the muscle belly. Always roll out the yeah, insertions. Don't do that. That's softball. The uh, and then next question is like, is harder better or like, what's the deal? What's the deal with that? I, isn't harder faster always better? Yes. Bigger, faster, harder, Maybe. stronger. Bigger. Yeah. Faster. But like, uh, no, like in terms <laughs> well, of a roller, harder. Like, yeah. you know, should it be? What, what should the pain threshold be? And then also, like, is there breathing associated with? The yeah. So out? my my guidelines. Better? my guidelines with that is you shouldn't be going so in, intense, like having such a high intensity of a pressure that you lose control of your breath. Like if it's making you hold your breath, you're defeating the purpose. Okay. Right. So you don't need anything crazy. I mean, you could use something as, you know, lightly dense as a foam roller to achieve the same effect as long as you're just like laying there and you can sustain it and breathe through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you don't really need the giant, like 200 pound logs to, to roll yourself out on. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a, yeah. Uh, man, last year, I guess it would be 
when Aunt Lo was in town, I was he he was helping me unjam some stuff, and I was like rolling into it, and I thought I was going light. Like I'm like, oh, okay, I'll go. He's like, don't go so hard, go light. And like, um, it was something on my back, like trying to get some ribs to kind of do something. I don't know what he was doing. It was just I was just listening to him, listening. But it was like, it was amazing how much harder I was going than what could work with one of the like supernovas that we have one of the 250 supernovas um but it was like it was just the most subtle pressure that i had to put on to get everything to calm down that was innervating through my adductor and groin and hip flexor and quad i mean it was just like fucking just so light and i'm like well i've been doing that fucking i've been doing that wrong for that you know so i was just curious if it was the same yeah you don't need a lot of pressure as long as you're hitting that specific point that you need Mm-hmm. Well, we used to have yeah. a deal. You remember we would roll people out and then we would like have their partner like pushing down on it, yep. oh, which yeah. now that I'm thinking oh, it's yeah. probably a horrible but idea. But people love that shit. That was like a marketing <laughs> gimmick. Do. Let me ask you this, Z, on that. <laughs> you know, one thing that Aunt Lo was uh, talking about in that, now that I'm reflecting on it, is like, mm-hmm. and I'm probably butchering this, so Aunt, if you do hear this, like this is <laughs> this is my interpretation, which could be false, so don't take this with, uh, you know, take it with a grain of salt, is that you know, there's a new kind of thought with rolling out and, and treating muscles. Like muscles don't feel pressure. Tendons don't feel pressure. Your skin feels pressure. And that it's the interpretation of actually the nerve, the nerve endings in the skin that are triggering a response in the, the muscle tissue. Is there something in there or am I making this up? What's going on there? Yeah. So all, all of the, the tissues in the body have some type of sensory system to them and there's different sensory receptors in the skin versus in the muscle belly versus in the tendon we even have sensory um, receptors inside the periosteum of the bone on the outside of the bone as well and it's it's not a matter of like are you stimulating the deep receptors you're going to be stimulating the superficial skin stuff first Mm -hmm. and that's what ant is getting at and you're already doing enough at that point to cause a change in the brain's interpretation of what's going on. So a great example of this, Luke, is um, uh, if you ever hit your knee off of a coffee table, like shit, that hurts. And you just rub it really hard, really quick. And it calms down the sensations, right? Like that's your initial reaction. It's a term called descending noxious inhibitory control, DNIC, crazy fancy term for that. But all it means is that you're sending a stronger signal to the brain via touching the skin that causes a relaxation or inhibit or inhibition on the distal part or where the, the original injury or you, you know, contused your shin or whatever occurred. I saw that in major pain when that dude yeah. got shot. Let me see your hand. <laughs> and it, well, the idea is the body can only process like one element of pain at a time. So, so then like if you hurt something, finger, right? then you basically, yeah. Uh, but I mean, we, we do it with the kids. Like if kids fall down or they hit themselves, they bang you. My wife always goes, rub it, rub it, rub it. And then they rub it and it goes away. Mm-hmm. So that's what I learned from yeah, just, them. You're just, you're just confusing the nerve signals. That's yeah. all. Sweet. That's sweet. That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, uh, all right. I think we asked and answered it. Don't you think, guys? We need a little more info. Just post some videos, Richard, or anyone else who's suffering this problem. This is why Train Heroic has a feed, and that feed can play videos for your coaches, your watchful coaches. Well, you can load videos to it, and you can right. play them. Very important nuance. Thank yeah. you, John. You load videos. Yes. We watch videos. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so put those on the feed and we'll, we'll because sort Because people out. are going to go to the feed and they'll be like, where are these videos? <laughs> well, you got to load them. I thought it was implied. Um, <laughs> well, uh, Luke, um, you know that this has yes, stumbled us up before. Like, oh, yes. You put the files in the computer. They're in the computer. So there you have it, folks. Uh, thanks, Z. I appreciate you taking the time yeah. to continually educate us on the, 
the nuance of this pain and yeah. spindles and GTOs and movement dysfunction. So always we, a pleasure. Can we ask our listeners to, if they have specific questions for Matt to call? Sure. What number should they call? I have an idea. 929-464-464. Zero. That's right. 929-ing-ing. Zero. And you can uh, ask any question you want. And we'll, if we want to bring in Z, maybe we will. Maybe if we feel like it. Maybe we won't. Maybe we'll make up our own stuff. No. And fact check. Yeah. And then we'll have Z come in and oh. fact check. Yeah. So, um, and if you guys aren't following Z on Instagram, check him out. Rooted in Movement. Um, that's also the best way to get in touch with you, if I recall. Yeah, right? that. Yeah, that or Matthew at rootitandmovement.com is email address. Okay. So I could answer good. questions there too. Yeah. Awesome. And uh, hey, John, thanks for thanks for hopping on today. Appreciate you taking time. Thanks uh, for having me on. Text. Uh, I love being a guest on the Premier Podcast and Strength and Condition. Well, a featured guest. The, um, friend. And then friend of the text podcast. Text you too, buddy. Thanks for getting out of bed today. I know it was a busy day for you. Um, coming well, to chat with me and Z. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> Thank you for getting up so early to take care of business. So Listen, you can be here. Co- I didn't co-host. choose to wake up early. The it was the pool of drool in your pillow that woke mm-hmm. you up. It was the cold wetness. You're drowning, your right. mouth breathing. <laughs> Is your wife putting paint chips in there? Listen, you guys are hogging up all the fresh air. I got to get it while I can. You know what I mean? Anyways, that's enough for today, folks. Thanks for listening. And uh, yeah, give us a call. Leave us a message. Until next time. Bye. Bye. Now it's time for you to empower your performance. Head to powerathletehq.com backslash training to choose from a number of programs to meet your specific performance goals. And if you like to break a mental sweat too, visit academy.powerathletehq.com and become a real stakeholder in you or your athlete's success. Until next time. Bye.